do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 282. Nice. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? I do. Do you? I do. Um, always remember, I think I'm, I haven't said our motto lately. Our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is what, sweetie? Parent self-understanding. True dad. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit. Um, we're going to play a clip from a podcast you had me listen to. Uh, the guy's name is Sam Jones. Mm-hmm. He has a podcast called Off Camera. It's probably like my third favorite podcast. What's first? Zen Parenting Radio. There you go. Hello. Now you're talking. All right. What's second in... Fresh sw- Air. Fresh Air. Mm-hmm. Actually, okay, Fresh Air... And then probably off camera, I love that interview. It's a long form, long form interview. interview with an entertainer. And I think that entertainers have a lot, and people are going to laugh when I say this, a lot of spiritual wisdom. Hmm. What I mean by that is they don't always know they're talking spiritual wisdom, but the way they relate to characters mm-hmm. and the way they relate to emotions and the way they relate to how and why they do things, there's a lot of spiritual understanding. Right. Give me my article, by the way. Okay. There you go. That's my cheat sheet. Um, and I'm going to tell you more. Go the ahead. fourth one I like yeah. so much. I really like. Uh, I listen to Dear Sugar a lot. Yeah. And I, the other one I like, well, cereal. Does that count as it's like a podcast? Of course, it, it counts. Even though now it's all spread out every two weeks. Yeah. 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 yeah and definitely. then the last one I'll give a shout out to. What have I been listening to lately? Oh, the the probably the Alanis Morissette one. I listen to a lot of. Tony Robbins, sweetie. <laughs> you sure do. I am uh, about halfway home on my coaching certification program, and um, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Anybody who wants to be coached by me, send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. First one is free, okay. and then if it's a good fit, then we'll talk after that. And since you're talking about yeah. that... Um, oh, you want to know my specialties? Please. Parenting? Yes. Relationship. Yes. And personal finance. Yes. I think that's a really good fit for you. I think so. I I enjoy all three of those things. I'm pretty good at parenting, pretty good at relationships, and I'm pretty good at (laughs) personal finance. I like the humility. I I don't know if I'm an expert at parenting. Am I an expert? Is anybody an expert, really? You know, I don't even love that word very much. I think that anytime there's feel, there's feels like it's, yeah. I'm I'm an experienced parent. There's such a stoppage with expert, like, okay, now you've got all the information, yeah. when really you can be highly educated and knowledgeable about something, but you're always learning. I have a lot of experience with all three of those genres. Okay, so I want to talk about the conference on Please, that. Please, um, go ahead. So the conference is in like 45 days or something. It's so soon. So we have all these people going. It's amazing. Um, originally, we had planned on our Friday night of the conference being kind of a low-key, because Friday night of the conference is just Todd and I. And it's a, you know, it's a good discussion. It's an a great introduction kickoff. to maybe some of the speakers, but but it's really you and I talking. Yeah, right. That's it's like our presentation, yeah. and um, and everybody's coming. Yeah, meaning that originally we thought it was going to be just good news, bad news. It's good news, bad news. In that it's good news that we're excited. Everybody's coming. The only bad news is is we only have a certain number of spaces for Friday night. So, so out. if you're planning on doing. Friday and Saturday, register now. We were at the hotel last week figuring out the room configuration, and we realized if we got to a certain number that we would have to sell out Friday, yeah. meaning it would be sold out. So um, we want to reach that. How 
uh, how would somebody register? So go to zengetsreal.com. Zengetsreal.com. And if you are going, we started this like event page that's going around Facebook. Oh, yeah. And if you click that you're going, um, everybody that you know sees it. Yeah. Uh, and it and helps us spread the word. It helps us spread the word. So instead of bugging your friends. How do you find that events page, though? Uh, you can go to zenparentingradio.com Facebook page, and it's there. Um, and if you're not quite sure where it is or you can't locate it, just uh, email us. us an email, right. Comments at zenparentingradio.com. But my point is, is say you're going, or if you're not sure you're going, say you're <clears> interested, <throat> because it helps spread the word. We... Um, have you know that's kind of what we're doing now marketing getting everybody there full and court press sweetie full court press so um we're probably not going to get to half the stuff i want to get to i feel a little pressure because usually sweetie comes up with the ideas yeah. for the show well i did this first thing tim robbins right no oh you told me to listen to it oh. because it was a good interview okay. i was the one who wanted to put it in the podcast all righty thank you very much you're welcome no setup needed other than the fact that this is Tim Robbins talking to Sam Jones in this podcast, and he has a little 90-second thing about how he got to be who he is. I don't, if you don't know who Tim Robbins is, he is he Academy Award winner? Yeah, he won for Mystic River. He also directed Dead Man Walking. He was also Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption. He was Nuke Lelouch in Bull Durham. That's right, and he's been many other uh, characters, um, but he um, is pretty amazing, and he started out, like, his whole intention was to be a director, yeah. a filmmaker, and he's definitely aspired to be that, so. Here we go. I want to make it or I want to fit in. I mean, was there encouragement in your family to follow your own path and make your own decisions? And I mean, was, it, was that just sort of the natural setting? Well, I, I think it's more that you observe your father and your mother following their own path and making their own decisions, um, difficult decisions sometimes, you know. When um, I remember distinctly a, a, a decision my father had to make about taking an A&R job at a record company, it would have provided a lot of money, but it would have, he just said at the time, he just said, I'm, I'm a musician, I'm a composer, I can't do that. And now, this is a difficult decision to make, and many years later he said, you know, I think I, I regret that decision. And I said, I said, you shouldn't, because it inspired me completely, and it was what brought me the uh, will to say no. And my mother was, they were both progressive regarding uh, civil rights and against the Vietnam War, and a couple distinct moments really helped define my path were when my mother woke me up one morning and told me that Martin Luther King was shot, and the look on her face and, and her uh, description of the importance of this man to me at the time, in 1968, I was 10 years old, uh, was really profoundly moving and a, a very clear memory. And the other was when my mom woke me up in the morning and said, hey, your sister, my sister Adele, who is a freshman at Antioch College in Ohio at the time, she said, your sister, you should be very proud. Your sister Adele was, was arrested yesterday for a protest against the Vietnam War. And so it's that kind of, um, uh, that kind of environment is the kind of environment I grew up in. So that kind of environment is that is. There we go. I want to hear what he said. That kind of environment is what? Is at the time, particularly you know early on when there's not a mass movement against something or when when people are still being marginalized and ostracized for joining a movement of that kind, when your parents are already on that page, it tells you maybe people are wrong 
it's a question authority kind of uh, uh, upbringing I think I had. Question authority, sweetie. And, and again, th that kind of language can make people uncomfortable. Like, yeah. you're not supposed to question authority. Authority is always right. There's something about being respectful of authority figures who take care of people and who are compassionate and who have people's best interests at heart. But then there's something about following the lead of somebody who is destructive yeah. or the lead of something that you feel is destructive for you or your family or your country or whatever it may be, that if you have been taught to never question authority, mm -hmm. then it is very difficult to stand up for your own rights yeah. or the rights that you believe in. So sometimes when people say question authority, everybody goes haywire and goes, oh, you can't do that. But there has to be, like everything, there's a middle place in there. Because if there's not, then the, you can get complacent, like, oh, that's just the way it is. Exactly. And But there is a balance there to is. your point. Because I remember is. George Carlin does a big thing about, I don't think he says question authority. I think he says question everything. Yeah. And there's a part of me that, yeah, absolutely, I want to raise my daughters to question everything. But there's a, there's a balancing of that because if you question everything, then you're just kind of floating in the wind. Well, and that's kind of why I like the whole idea of mutual respect and the whole idea of soul to soul. Because when you are experiencing mutual respect with somebody, if it be through parenting or friendship or a relationship, there's not much to question because it feels good mm. and it fe you feel heard and you feel – um, connected and you feel empowered. But when somebody is hurting you yeah. in some way, to be able to stop and say, I'm going to question all of this. Yeah. Because there were times, there were relationships I've been in, you know, uh, romantic relationships or friendships I've been in where, you know, you just kind of throw up your hands and you're just kind of, well, this is what it's like. And you don't question that maybe it doesn't have to be that way. And it's that case with our jobs and it's that case. So there is something about respect and there is something about understanding that there needs to be a leader and there needs to be people in charge and we need to, uh, you know, be a community yeah. and not always be, you know, trying to throw the, the leader under the bus. Right. But it's, there's also a sense of on the more, instead of the macro level, level on the more micro level, we have to be able to question what's right for ourselves. Yeah. Right? I do. I'm with you. So I really liked his comment about what he learned from his parents. And I just like Tim Robbins. He's done Shawshank and Bull Durham, two of the best movies ever made. Yes, I agree with that. And, and he, uh, yeah, he's just awesome. I love that guy. And he's and he, especially when he and Susan Sarandon were together, they were never married, but they were a couple for a long time. They were very politically active. And a lot of people will say, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? They ended on good terms. I thought they were going to make it. Did you? Did they ever get married? No, they no. were never married. They no. were just boyfriend, girlfriend. Well, they were partners. They were boyfriend, like, girlfriend. <laughs> for like 20 years. They had children. Um, so Sam Jones, we're big fans of him. I don't know if we are even allowed to play that long of a part of his interview, but we're doing it anyway. So let's give him kudos. Yeah, he's really good. Sam Jones. Way to be Sam. Well, and it's not called Sam Jones. It's called Off, off camera. camera. So if you're looking up a podcast, it's Off Camera. And he is a photographer, thus the name Off Camera. And he does still shots for a lot of movie sets. Among other things, doesn't he direct videos and stuff? Too? He does direct videos, and he's also, do, you know, he takes picture modeling shots and that kind of thing. So he, so these people he's interviewing, he's friends with them. They're right. people that he's worked with in the industry. Um, our first partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, Dr. Kelly adjusts me and my whole family on a biweekly basis. Uh, the website is chirotree.com, and the number is six three zero nine four one eighty seven thirty three. There's Dr. Kelly. Nice. Um, so the, are you moving away from this already? Yeah. Oh, wow. That was quick. Yeah. Sum it up. We got some questions. I got okay. some good questions okay. stored You're up. You're in charge. So, um, I read an article that my friend, I can honestly say he's my friend 
Ed Bacon. Uh, actually, he's our friend. He's yeah, not my friend. He's our friend. Sweetie brought me to Ed's world. But Ed Bacon, um, he's been, uh, he had his own Oprah radio show mm-hmm. and all that. So he posted something. So he's a reverend of a church in Pasadena, California, and he's a very progressive thinker and he is very inclusive yeah. and loving and compassionate. Um, he he has a big heart and open arms for all religions, all ways of life, yes. and just is a really wonderful man. Love the guy. And he's really good friends with Desmond Tutu. Yes. I yes. saw that because I was all over his Facebook page trying to find this article because he posted it a few weeks ago. And everything in his Facebook page is about inclusive inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking, you know, it's just really wonderful. He's just a very heart-centered. Mm-hmm. He gets it. And he uh, wrote a book called The Eight... Habits, Habits of, love. of Love, and I used to use it as my my book for my uh, college class. Mm-hmm. I did that for a few years, and then we had Reverend Ed come out and speak at the University of Dominican University where I teach, and we went to his workshop last summer. So Todd and I try and stay connected to him because he's such a lovely teacher. And uh, yeah, so that's good old Ed. So he posted something on his Facebook page. It's a Wall Street Journal article, and it was written by a guy named Eric... Eric Metakas, M-E-T-A-X-A-S. And the name of the title is Science. You said the name of the title. The name (laughs) of the article, Science Increasingly Makes the Case for God. Oh, did you want me to play Jim Carrey first? Yeah, play that first. So this is Jim Carrey from the Golden Globes that uh, somehow will work into why these dots connect. Well, Todd's about to read to talk to you about this Wall Street Journal article about how grand our universe is and Mm -hmm. how much... Um, how there's so much unknown and how we're starting to connect all these pieces. And Jim Carrey did this kind of funny little shtick at the Golden Globes a few weeks ago about how significant we sometimes believe ourselves to be, yet we're not. (laughs) Thank you. I am two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed (laughs) shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey. Because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this this terrible search. For what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. But these are important, these awards. I don't want you to think that just because if you blew up our solar system alone, you wouldn't be able to find us or any of human history with the naked eye. But from our perspective, (laughs) this is huge. (laughs) There we go. That's it. Oh, God bless him. So um, the title of the uh, thing is called Science Increasingly Makes the Case for God. And Before I read some of this article, I will say that 
we've been doing this show for 200, 280 podcasts, and hopefully you know us well enough by now to know that we're inclusive of everybody's perspective. Mm-hmm. We don't like we don't exclude you, whether that or I don't even know if we're preaching something that it's we're trying to talk about all the things that lead to our own sense of awareness, compassion, and consciousness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are saying the exact same thing and using different words. Right. So sometimes there are certain words that become so they become so uh, intense because people hear a word and they automatically have all these feelings and sometimes sometimes trauma around certain words. So I I would say I do this more than Todd, try and shy away from those words because I feel like you lose people mm-hmm. versus using words that everybody can understand like love and connection. Yeah. This article uses the word, I think, creator right. and God, right. but I want to talk more about what that means. What's funny is as I read through some of this article, the people that we potentially could offend are the atheists, which are people who don't believe in any Interesting. God okay. or creator. So it's funny, like, usually we're trying not to offend people who are very religious. Can I say something interesting about that, though? Sure. Is that the more, because I, uh, there's a few people I talk to on occasion that are completely say, I'm a full-on atheist, Kathy, whatever. You mm. know, this, these sometimes these things you say, they don't have meaning. And then when I talk to them about what they believe, do you think that, do you believe in love? Do you believe in connection? Do you believe in that there's a mystery? Do you believe in something that Energy. is hard to explain? Yeah. They're like, well, of course. And I and that's what I mean about that's words. That's when you get stuck. We're like, we're, te- we're saying that's the same thing. That's what we're saying. And you can call that God or you can call that, you know, spirit or you can call that so many different things. Um, but Ed it, Bacon calls it the beloved. The beloved. And and what's lovely is that's what I love about Ed is that that's what he does yeah. is instead of say, no, you have to use my words, you have to look at it through my lens, he says, I am self-aware enough to understand we're all talking about the same thing. Yeah. And let's figure out a way to put our arms around each other and do this together yeah. rather than say my way or the highway. Right. So I want to say that also because some people who say, well, I'm an atheist, what we think an atheist is mm-hmm. – is like it's not see that that word doesn't even encapsulate who they are right so i just want to make that comment okay fair enough okay so um in 1966 time magazine ran a cover story that said is god dead many have accepted the cultural narrative that he's obsolete that as science progresses there is less need for a god to explain the universe. Yet it turns out that the rumors of God's death were premature. More amazing is that the relatively recent case for his existence comes from a surprising place, science itself. So it's, it's funny because, now I'm, I'm not reading anymore, it's funny because usually it's either, are you religious or are you science? It's like we have to decide between which one. It's like, um, what's, our, what's our lost guys? I'm forgetting their names. Man of science, man of... The Tailies? No, not the Tailies. <laughs> I'm talking about. I keep wanting, man of faith, man. I want to. It's Jack. Jack and uh, Locke. And Locke. John that's Locke. it. And they were man like, of science, man of. Faith. And what that whole show was about yeah. to me was realizing they were thinking about mm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get their. They used different language and they had different eyes to right. see things. Yet they ended up being on the same page. That's right. So, so that's here we exactly go. what we're talking about. So um, Carl Sagan announced in the exact same year. Uh, he's a famous astronomer. He said that in two criteria needs to happen for a planet to support life. Okay. Only two things. The right kind of star and a planet the right distance from that star. Okay. Given the roughly octillion. So octillion is one followed by 27 zeros. 
planets in this universe. So there, I mean, that's kind of mind blowing right there. There's one and 27 zeros planets in this universe. So there's octillion planets? Yes, there's an there's a, roughly an octillion planets. Oh my gosh! And there should have been about a septillion, one followed by twenty four zeros of planets that are capable of supporting life. So at the time, they're like, you know, the odds of us being the only ones here is not very good because there's septillion so planets out there. Right. So, but as science progressed, they listened to a vast. Uh, one thing that they used to do is they listened to a vast telescopic network for signals looking for any type of evidence form, yeah. that there's life and they couldn't find anything. So, all right. So, um, so Carl Sagan proposed two things, but the two things grew to 10 and then to 20 and then to 50. So the amount of things that have to happen oh. for a planet to support life went from two up to 10, so up, what to are 20, those things? up to 50. Well, I'll talk about a few of them in a second. The number dropped up to a few thousand planets that kept on plummeting. So originally it was a septillion amount of planets that could possibly Sustain. support life. Now we're all the way down to a few thousand planets, okay. okay? As factors continue to be discovered, the number of possible planets hit zero and kept going. In other words, the odds, the odds turned against any planet in the universe supporting life, including the one we're on right now, which is called? Earth. Just want to make sure you're following me. So, but wait a second. Can I? Oh, sure, go ahead. I want to throw a wrench into that. Throw the curveball, What sweetie. we're doing is we're using our science to see if other planets <clears throat> have our kind of life. Any kind of life. Any kind. But it's still our definition of what life is. Yeah, what is life? Is That's an organism? I mean. But they can't even find like microorganisms. They can't find diddly squat. I know, but isn't even microorganisms our way of life and what we have evolved from? Like, what if there's different? Right, but they can't find that either. They can't find anything. Right. It's just a big blank space. Okay. So today there's 200 known parameters necessary for planets to support life. Every single one of which must be perfectly met or the whole thing falls apart. Without So what are one of the factors yeah. that you ask? Without a massive planet like Jupiter nearby, whose gravity will draw away asteroids, a thousand times as many would hit Earth's surface. Got it. The odds against life in the universe are simply astonishing. Mm -hmm. So can every one of those many parameters have been perfect by accident? At what point is it fair to admit that science suggests that we cannot be the result of random forces? Doesn't assuming that an intelligence created these perfect conditions require far less faith than believing that a life-sustaining Earth just happened to be the inconceivable odds to come into being? Okay, so that was a lot of language. Yes. Okay, so here's the thing. Why I, you know, I read this article because Todd wanted to talk about this. And here's the thing I struggle with. It's all the way, it's the way that we view things, meaning universe in itself, universe mm -hmm. to me is, is synonymous with God. Right. So it's like we're dividing those things and saying, you know, the, there's universe and science. And then isn't there some kind of creator who then said, okay, I'm going to magically do things to this mm -hmm. place. Isn't it all one and the same? Like, there is no way that we can understand, comprehend, or have language for everything that's out there. Like, couldn't I make the case that Earth in itself as a planet is a living, breathing thing? Not because we're on it, but because... Well, if you look at Earth from space, yeah. you can see, like, the weather systems. It does look like it's breathing. It's breathing. It's like a living... And that's why... Ooh, tell everybody what you told me the other day about Mother Earth having... 
an advocate. It's, it, there's oh, some, yeah. Who was, was that? that? That was something to the... Oh, it was in my John Gray book. Yeah, what the was The Conscious that? Men. And it talked about how in certain countries, Mother Earth uh, is now... Has laws. Yeah, well, not has laws. Mother Earth has a defense attorney. Yes. Right? So let's say there's a company blowing up fossil fuels or whatever. Earth will have somebody to... some. Smart lawyer, a defense attorney, will defend yes. Earth. So I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was cool. And, and again, we talked about how it was a slippery slope too. It's yeah. it's a tough. It, again, nothing is ideal and perfect. But I also think that that's so true because Mother Earth is living and breathing. And when we think that killing, you know, e- extinction of animals or killing, um, you know, polluting our rivers or it, we're so ignorant Mm -hmm. when it comes to what we're doing to ourselves and that we're all connected and that, you know, everything that we do to the earth, we do to ourselves. And and that in itself tells you that earth is a living, breathing thing, not just surviving for us. Mm -hmm. The earth doesn't survive for us. The earth was here and we were given the opportunity to live a life here. My point is, is that when we look at the solar system and we look at universe and there's all these other planets with 24 zeros after it why do we th- it it may not be our way yeah but couldn't there be something right and and what i always say to todd this always helps me a lot with death and because this resonated so strongly i heard um joseph campbell say this on an interview with uh, bill moyers a long time ago he said our human brain doesn't have the capacity to imagine what happens when we die mm-hmm. and where we come from and what the universe holds and why we're here. That's not our brain. It's not on our map. It's not in there. Yeah. And we can try and, you know, predict logically, and logically figure but there's something no out. way. And he's in the closest thing to understanding what death is and is the feelings we have, the, the, the love, the yeah. emotion, the connection, the, why we do things, the, com- you know, those are the strongest connection to what comes after. Mm-hmm. And that resonates so strongly with me. And so sometimes, you know, all the things that you just said, which I totally hear, and I'm not denying anything that's in that article, but do you see how words can mess us up? It makes it so... Well, and I feel like the thing, the reason I was attracted to this article is because I grew up um, Catholic and I was taught about a certain God, you know, uh, there some person taught me what their interpretation God of, on a cloud of what God is God is like yeah and as I get older that interpretation evolves yes. like what I believe like even in this article the reason I was attracted to it is because there's sometimes where I'm like um you know this is just a crapshoot like there's mm. no God we just happen to you know show up here and Do you it really w- believe that sometimes i don't well there have been moments i'm like yeah it's just maybe it's just one of those big bangs and you know you can get into the whole how did the big bang right. start but but i like the fact that there's smart scientists that are basically saying we can't figure this out correct you know that gives me an excuse to be like, all right, maybe I don't have to figure this out and I can go the faith route versus the science route. And what is faith? It's just having a trust that just because you don't see everything doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. There are so many energetic levels and planes that are going on there that are happening around us at all times that we cannot see. The senses that we have can only 
it's just this baseline level of understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody who has lost a certain sense, like, you know, someone who is blind or someone who is deaf, and their other senses increase where they start to then feel vibration, Mm -hmm. or they they tap into things that are beyond. And there are some people that just have that capacity at birth. You know, they're just more tapped in. And that in itself can let you know not everything is visual and not everything is research and not everything is numbers. Those are tools. Yeah. But they're not absolutes. Right. Life is mysterious. And once we just go, huh. But the minute that we think we have it figured out, you know, it's just like people. I'm I'm not attracted to people who think they know anything with any certainty. That's right. Neither am I. What I am attracted to people who are confident and who have a point of view. Yeah. But when they say this is the way it is and that's all I know and or, this is the way it is and this is what everyone should think and anybody who doesn't is stupid. I check out of the conversation. So do I. I'm you, done. You just lost me. Yeah. Because – I don't know anything for certain. Yeah. Very little. I mean, I know I love you. Right. I know well, I love my girls. Right. But that's, I know I, know I love my family, but when you're th- like, what do you know for sure? You know, we did the whole, one does one plus one equal one. It's right. like you get two wads of chewing gum, right. put them in your mouth. Well, one plus one equals one. Like all of a sudden you question the logic, well, one plus one is always two. Well, that's not true. Well, I think something that switches is when we're young, if you don't have a perspective and you don't have an opinion on something that's really strong, people consider you ignorant. Yeah. And as you get older, if you maintain this strong opinion where you don't allow for other people to teach you or to be open-minded or to evolve, then you sound ignorant. Right. It like, it like switches places. And I think we talked about that last week or the week before that um, the more I learn and the more I read and the more experiences I have in life, the more I realize that I don't know anything. And that doesn't mean I'm I'm ignorant. I actually feel very well educated, quote unquote educated, which has brought me to the understanding of how we're not supposed to know everything. Right. That's that's the awareness that I've come to. And that there's something really lovely about letting go of thinking you're supposed to know everything. And kind of, you know, like when I uh, meditate, there's two things that often come up for me um, is one, let go of the stories. And two, just hear. That's all. That's it. And, and again, we can call that mindfulness. And I, I, the words just start to kind of dumb down the whole process. All I'm trying to say is that anytime I create a story about something, I have to question it. And every time I try and predict something in the future or go backwards and say, I should have done that differently. All I say is it's it's just here, just here. And that is, that is a complete shift of where I used to think I was supposed to be, Yeah, which is knowing everything. And again, your word expert, Mm -hmm. that's why I don't like that word. Yeah. I'm going to go with experienced. Yeah. I like that too. Um, anything else before we move on? No, but I, I liked that um, article. Thanks, so thank sweetie. You. Appreciate Thanks. that. Mm-hmm. So our second partner is Dr. John Kelly from the tree uh, from uh, ChicagoDentistOnline.com. So uh, John does a lot of things, um, but I just called him, and on his voicemail it says, "Hey, if this is an emergency, call me on my cell." Isn't that awesome? <laughs> well, I know Cameron has his text. Yeah, Cameron can text him if she has questions. So John Kelly, he's awesome. Guess Some- who had a cavity out of all five of us? Not me. Yes, so. Sweetie, you got to start uh, 
brushing and flossing the way I do. Stop. Oh my gosh. I am the best brusher and flosser and you guys don't. Almost as good as me. No, you don't floss. I floss every now and again. No, I floss daily. And well, maybe that's your problem. Too much flossing. Well, I. the funny thing is, is he told me last time I was there six months ago, you should probably get this filled. It's not that big of a deal, but get it filled. And I didn't do it. Yeah. And I came back and got in trouble. He's like, why didn't we take care of this? You, you don't want to get pulled to Tom Hanks from... Uh, that deserted island movie. A castaway? When he takes Where I take ice, a rock? A rock with an ice skate. Oh. Ouch. That's a bad scene. Wilson. Oh, poor Wilson. Poor Tom Hanks. Poor Tom Hanks when Wilson floats away. He wasn't happy. So listener's question, you ready? Yes. We got two of them. One is short, one is long. Okay. Which one do you want to start with? I don't know. Let's start with the short one. I have a question. Uh, our son is having a hard time making friends and doesn't seem happy. Of course, there are times when he laughs and smiles, but for the most part, school seems to stress him out. I don't know how... Oh, he's he's eight years old. Okay. Uh, he's in second grade, and he's the middle of six kids. We have a large extended family, wow. about 35 cousins. That's a lot of cousins. Six uh, kids is a lot. So he has lots of social opportunities with the family. He's not super into sports, likes chess. Oh, I like this kid. I know. Todd will hang out with him. We'll play tell we'll play online chess together. Yeah. Uh, and of course video games. He's not really physical and doesn't really enjoy physical games. As I'm writing this on the way home from school today, parentheses, I almost never picked them up because we live so close. He rolled down the window to say hi to two different boys. He seemed confident and happy. Maybe insecure is too steep. So it's funny, she kind of caught herself. Yeah, cool. That was cool that she had an, an awareness. Yeah, yeah. she had an awareness. Mm -hmm. So I think this kid's fine. Well, what I would say is that... He's an eight-year-old who doesn't seem to make friends very easily. He, well, he has different interests maybe than other eight-year-old boys, which yeah. is totally cool. Yeah. And as something as he gets older will help him identify as very unique. It's going to be a long wait, though. Um, well, it, it's not so much that he has to wait for anything because it's already true today. Yeah. What the big shift is for him and for the family, which it sounds like she's already doing, to recognize <clears throat> that what he's doing is completely typical, normal, and good for him. Meaning if he doesn't like sports, don't don't push him into sports. And let him know that to have different interests playing chess, because he's just using different parts of his brain. Yeah. That's all he's doing, is that um, that you think it's really that he's interesting yeah. and that you want to learn more from him and that you're curious about what he does. And I would also say that um, th the blessing of the six children, and you mentioned this, is you have full family life, is that sometimes our social lives are our family. Yeah, what I was going to say is it's not about quantity. It's, you know, I, I think there's um, this Norman Rockwell picture in our minds of what our kids' life is like, which is, you know, tons of awesome friends around. And really, that's really not what it's about, because mm -hmm. it's hard to have tons of awesome friends mm -hmm. if you have... One or two, you're doing pretty well. So I don't know. I think that this lady is just fine and her son's just fine. Well, and she, I think she knows he's fine. She's just wondering, like, what, what are things She actually asked do. if there's any podcasts about this subject. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of think everything we talk about lends to it. One thing I will say is if he does come to you someday or you have this discussion where he's like, I just don't relate to mm -hmm. a lot of the kids in my school or in my class, if he's just like, I feel different. Um, hone in on the things he loves. Like if he loves chess, usually through a park district, maybe not even in your community. One thing I learned from a great bullying workshop I went to, and I know you're not saying he's bullied, but is sometimes you need to 
pull kids out of their community and have them get involved in things in other communities, yeah. like um, you know maybe a place that's like ten minutes away, and have them do chess club there. So they meet a bunch of different kids because if you send your kids to the park district in your town, it's the same kids. Yeah. So you kind of expand their worlds, mm -hmm. or maybe he goes away to a camp in the summer where you know a lot of kids find friends at camp, and then maybe they don't see them during the year, but that somehow that sustains them in knowing that who they are is completely normal, okay, and people have their back. Yeah. So, um, so mom, I think just your awareness that you saw his confidence. Well, um, this may be a terrible idea, but you remember that Bill Gates uh, speech. Um, he had a really wonderful commencement speech. And at the very end, he said, you know, for all of you jock types, be nice to the nerds because you'll probably end up working for Amen. one of them someday. Amen. You know, maybe this guy's the next Bill Gates. Who knows? And then here's where we get into words again, because I totally hear what you're saying. But then if we say, well, my kid's a nerd, then there's some kind of negative connotation around that. And if we can right. change the word nerd to my kid introspective. is introspective, my kid is artistic, my kid um, is you know, enjoys reading. My kid enjoys a competition with a chess. To your point, all those factors are probably going to serve him more than being really good at sports. Not only that, but that's who he is. Yeah. So it's like sometimes we're more like, yeah, but if he was in football, he'd get along with people, but then he wouldn't be himself. And then that would cause him to act differently. Sometimes we like the outside yeah. to look a certain way so we can feel relieved, but then we're not helping our kid become who they are. Right. So we then have to change our connotation around or, or, or our interpretation of what's happening, right. which is, shift again, our own perspective. shift our own perspective. The, the definition of a miracle is shifting the way you look at something, because once you shift the way you look at it, everything changes. And, you know, I love mom that you, you have six kids and you're thinking, I want my kid to, you know, my eight year old to make sure he has friends. So you're like on it. Yeah. You know, you're doing amazing. Anybody who listens to the show writing questions is pretty much okay as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Todd loves it. You ready for the next one, okay, sweetie? Go ahead. This is a little bit longer. So hang with All me. All right. Uh, this comes actually from a friend of mine. My brother is currently going through a divorce and has three young children, five, seven, and nine. It's, and I had to shorten this up because it's pretty long. It's incredibly challenging for me to watch him make choices in his parenting that I feel are not only in his children's best interest, but potentially quite damaging for their long-term well-being. So they're not in his children's best interest. Right. Okay. Uh, I may have misspoken. I will elaborate. He believes his children should be given lots of freedom and choices about everything. I find both from my personal and professional experience that when children are not given clear, kind, and firm boundaries, this serves to cultivate a sense of anxiety in them and they feel unsafe. This often feels... This often results in them pushing and pushing to try and find the limits and boundaries so they can feel safe in this world. She goes on, but what do you think so far? She's right. I thought you were going to say that, you know, boundaries are important, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, when children are not given clear, kind, and firm boundaries. Like, Well, see, this is, again, where we have, we're have we splitting hairs yeah. because you guys who listen to the show know that, of course, I believe in choice and I believe in allowing people to yeah. you know make decisions for themselves and to allowing your child to become who they are. But what I agree with as a therapist and what we know from research is that children who are not given boundaries do tend to have a more anxious disposition and they do push things to see where that boundary is because naturally they're trying to find what they need to rub up against. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have limits for them, they don't even know how to 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 create that. It's kind of like we were just talking upstairs about screen technology and yes. then the candy drawer idea. Exactly. Like there's a lot of 
parents who have a, a boatload of candy in a drawer and those kids won't eat it because Correct. it's there. Correct. And I don't, the whole screen thing is something I'm still working through. Yeah, we're, Todd and I are talking, we, we were having a conversation about technology and screen time, and we do have limits and boundaries around it. But there are times that I find at least, um, and I'll say this for myself too, but I'll speak about you specifically, that Todd has more stress about what we are doing or not doing when it comes to technology with our kids than I think is necessary for what's really happening. Yeah. And it's that, you know, if they got an extra 30 minutes that day or they woke up on a Saturday morning and started watching a show. You know, hell, I did that. My, you know, and now I'm laughing at myself because I, I get annoyed when parents say I did that. Yeah. But my point is, is that. Well, yesterday I watched the NFC and the AFC championship. Right. Right. That's seven or eight hours of screen time. And my point to Todd about yesterday was we were all in the family room. We would eat. We would hang out. We would talk. We would pause it. We would, and and even though the screen is on, and and of course we know all the research around screen technology, there was also some significant family time going on. So also putting on top of that anxiety about the fact that TV is on, I don't think is helpful in that situation. Yeah. So what I was going to say is, you said, do you agree with that? I don't know exactly yeah. what's going on in this family, but do I think that some boundaries and limits are necessary for children? You bet. Okay. So um, he goes on. My observation is that what he deems as progressive attachment parenting is actually permissive and somewhat negligent parenting. I notice his kids are completely in charge of what they eat, how much, when, whether or not they participate in cleaning up, whether or not they have to go to school, et cetera. I think it goes without saying that we set certain boundaries on our children. And you know, and this is where, okay, I, I love this show because everything's interconnected. This is where words play a big role. There's no thing where we have this like thing on the wall that says, here's the rules of yeah. the house and here's the things you must do. But if we're all eating dinner and, you know, like last night I said, everybody bring your own plate in. It wasn't like you're in charge of this. You better bring your plate in. You better. This is just to me how you live in a community. You bring your plate in. You bring your plate out. So I'm not teaching my kids these are the rules of this house. What I'm hoping that they're integrating is you do your part when it comes to being in a community. Well, and not only that, it's not just what you say. It's how you say it. And I yes. think the shortcut to parenting is you yell at your kids because, Skylar, these freaking waffles. <laughs> She's done with her waffles. And every day... I say, clean up your waffles before you go upstairs. Right. What does she do? She goes upstairs without cleaning up her first, waffles. Yeah. Now, I will pat myself on the back because every day I walk up there and I say, hey, sweetheart, you got to clean up your waffles. Waffle time. Yep. Right. Clean them up. And I say it, and she goes downstairs and she does it. Absolutely. I could have done the same thing yelling at her, but what's the point? Right. Well, what ends up happening? Like, I think some parents would yell because they would say, I told her yesterday and the day before, and she doesn't listen. She doesn't listen, but it doesn't mean I yell, right? Well, and, and again, splitting hairs here, she may have listened. She just didn't follow through. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you're saying, she didn't listen. Or, you know. And here's the thing. Parents would say, well, I'm going to yell at them to create a fear in them, yeah. and then they'll do it. Right. But that's, mis that's misunderstanding of what really makes an impact. Right. People change their behavior when they feel supported in what they're doing. That doesn't mean you're permissive. Mm -hmm. That means that you can approach your child and say – 
you can't, you know, we're not going to move on to the next thing. Let's not, don't go get your backpack yet. Actually, you got to clean up your waffles. You can say that in a tone of voice that's very just clear and kind. And they'll do it just as well as if you totally yell yeah. at them. And then you end up in the car pissed off at each other and disconnected, which. Well, and a lot of that goes to self-care because I've had a good, whatever, month. I haven't been grumpy about too many things. But if I was not taking care of myself and I had nothing in my emotional tank, I might be more likely to scream and... Your fuse would be shorter. My fuse would be shorter. So this goes into the self-care thing. Of course. You can't have one without the other. All right. So I want to finish up uh, this email. Um, I observe... This is kind of takes it a slightly different turn. I observe that he's often disconnecting from his children and me in favor of time with his new romantic partner. This partner is already hanging around with the children and has only been separated for a short time. This is deeply triggering for me as it reminds me of the path our mother took and it is agonizing to watch him follow in her footsteps. I know I have a lot of judgment to work through around his choices. I know I carry around with me some self-righteousness, some knowledge, uh, some I know it better knowledge and disapproval. So that's the deal. Um, Well, wonderful. Obviously, there's a lot of self-awareness there. And And there's a lot more to this email, but I couldn't read it all. And what his brother is doing is obviously triggering something old from their childhood. He's mm-hmm. basically watching his brother repeat a pattern. Right. Um, and he's right that he he may have a better understanding and, and in his mind a better way of doing things, but he can't control what his brother's doing. And what he can do is let his brother know that he is there for him. And he can let his nieces and nephews know that if they ever feel like they don't have a place to go or that if they ever feel like, oh, you know, dad's not around or if you're ever feeling like you need help, I am always here for you. You don't end up taking over. You don't end up telling someone how to run their family. Yeah, I feel like there's a part of the email where they could have easily said, well, I know better and I'm going to insert my – you're not these people's Mm -hmm. parent. So what you can do is you could be the best aunt or uncle that you possibly can be. Uh, but the bottom line is you're not in charge of Oh, them. is this a woman who wrote this? I keep saying he. Uh, uh, it's a he. Oh, it's a he. I misspoke. Okay. okay. So yes, to be, you play your role mm-hmm. to the best of your ability. Yeah. And you teach more by role modeling than you do by lecturing. Exactly. So if there is a way that, and also if these children come into your home, you have to let them know that. There are certain, if you want to use the word rules or expectations or community involvement, that does happen in your house. So maybe at his house, they don't clean up or they don't help cook or they don't do anything. But when they're there at your house, here's some expectations. And that can be said in a loving way without being shaming or, um, you know, that's the thing is sometimes we're like, I don't know what goes on in your house, but here, you know. Say it nicely. Say it nicely. This is what we do. And, And the thing that we learn from these experiences of being involved in community is it feels good. We don't have to be authoritarian about it because when you clean up your own stuff, there's a sense of accomplishment and you feel good about it. And when you're able to make a dinner or when you're able to like – this is going to – we don't usually say these things very often, but I thought it was very cool. Todd has been helping the girls with money, with understanding financial – um, you know, responsibility and giving back. And it's just been very cool to watch. It's definitely been his uh, thing that he's been doing. And – um, my oldest daughter is wants to purchase something, and she's realizing the power of money. And that, and basically, we said, if this is something you want to purchase, you can do it. Yeah. But you got to earn the money. And yeah. she's like, she and Todd put together like a spreadsheet of how she's going to do it. And one night we went out uh, for dinner, and she babysat for an hour or two. And when we got home, 
She had done, she had cleaned the mudroom. She had done all of these other things because she wanted to demonstrate responsibility, A, and she also knew that she could earn money yeah. doing those things. Not a ton of money, right. but they were like extra things that weren't on her list of expectations. And she felt empowered. And we weren't like, oh my gosh. We were like, that's great. Yeah. Instead of like, you did that for us. Did that for yourself. She did that for herself. Yeah. Introverted, or not intro, uh, intrinsic, intrinsic motivation. motivation. Right. And that was a really cool, and again, we've had the other two where nobody nobody picks up. But, Most you of know, the time they yeah, don't, but I mean, sometimes they do. They, But sometimes there's- Catch your kid doing good things. Yes. Sometimes you're like, okay, that yeah. is interesting. It's actually working. It's actually working. And so- um, we have one review, okay. and it's from. My, uh, it's titled "My Heart Smiles at You." Oh, that's and by nice. the way, sweetie, my heart smiles at you. Thank you, my heart does. Too. And it's from Choose Love in the USA. Okay. Hi, Todd and Kathy. Thank you for your beautiful work. I'm at. I am at home, mom of two little adventurous souls, and married to my best friend. You help me remember that even though there is so much overwhelming beauty in my life, there will be down times, and that's normal and okay. I'm usually very high, so when the lows come, they are deep and steep for me. I hear you. You guys help me be okay with that when they do visit. Thank you. Kathy, I learned so much from you, and we have many similarities. Yeah. You're about 10 years older than me, and your self-realizations are helping me be okay with my spiritual path. I've had similar struggles about what it might mean if I follow my heart down this less traveled in my circle path that is intense with yoga and spirit and energy. You are a gift and a role model to Aww, me. Oh, that's a lovely uh, She's compliment. not done, sweetie. Now oh. it's time to compliment me. Oh, boy. The important part. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Todd. You are funny and add so much, too. You remind me of my husband at times, and I really enjoy the energy you guys bring to the show together. I just finished The Conscious Parent, and I'm really hoping to meet you guys at your conference. Yay. Until then, thanks for following your heart as it helps fill my cup so I can follow my heart, and I have been in many ways. Be well. And I don't know if I should say her name or not. Yeah, you don't have to. Okay. Thank you so much. That yeah. was really kind. Thank you. And I'm so glad. Um, I don't know. Where's the wisdom? Um, We're 49 minutes in. Well, just be thoughtful of that words mean different things to different people. And if we try and use language that is inclusive for all people, I think we'll find that we're all aiming for the same thing and that it's really not about winning and being right, but that it's about finding what connects us and finding what we have in common because that's really where life is full. And I will say our last partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, avidco.net. I will also say, uh, don't forget to shop on Amazon through our website because people are actually doing that. I know, Todd was psyched to find so that out. Thank you. And then sign up for the conference. And then my words of wisdom is keep trucking. So keep trucking. Have a good week. Adios. That's our show, friends. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com or you can record a voicemail by clicking on the send us a voice message link on our homepage with comments or questions. Don't forget our Zen Parenting Conference is on March 11th and 12th, 2016. For more details, go to zengetsreal.com. If you're interested in any of Kathy's three award-winning books, you can purchase through our website or through Amazon. 
We also do local presentations, virtual retreats, and movie screenings, which can be found by clicking on the events tab on our webpage. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you're interested in the tribe, the monthly men's group that I co-facilitate, you can go to thetribemensgroup.com for more details. Lastly, and most importantly, a special thanks to our three partners, Avid Company, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and John J. Kelly Dentistry. If you own a business and are interested in partnering with us, please send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Finally, we're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.